0: If you have your uh, Bibles, I hope you do, please go on ahead and and turn together with me to the book of Philippians. It's good to be back, and it's just exciting always to be home. I consider this home, and I am really encouraged with what God is doing in so many of your lives and in our lives as a community. God is faithful. Philippians chapter 1. We're there, Philippians chapter 1. And what we'll do is we'll read verse, two verses, verses 19 and 20. Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. We there? We got to be there now. Now that we, Joseph's helping us out, you better be there. All you got to do is look up. For I know, Paul says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out, even this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Father, we pray um, for your word. We ask, Lord, that as we're about to devote these next few moments to it, that you would be with us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to illumine this same word, lighten our hearts. We want to see Jesus, Father, this day. Thank you for your word. We, We don't treat it lightly. Uh, This is a time that means a lot to us, and we're thankful to you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I don't know about you, but um, it's been my experience um, throughout, not just life, but especially throughout the Christian life. A lot of times I've noticed as I've tried to observe myself and grow in in self-awareness. You know about self-awareness? awareness is a good thing. You know about self-awareness? We all know about that term. Uh, psychologists talk a lot about self-awareness, right? Um, learning where you're weak, where you're strong, where the strengths and the weaknesses are, where your needs are, and where, where your gifting is, and where your lane is, and, and the degree to which you're aware of that, you can go on to social awareness, other awareness. And then, and then the other EQ is other people's take on you, right? All these different areas. Well, I've been trying to grow and I've been trying to develop, which means you've got to take time with God and with yourself and just and it's it's a very dangerous thing because you're gonna find out a lot about you. And sometimes you're not too sure, you're ready uh, <laughs> to learn about you, right? Ignorance is what they called it? Bliss. Yeah, there's there's a reason for that. But I've learned a thing or two, and that is that I'm more privy and okay with receiving the outcome or walking into my outcome before I begin to be on board with what God is doing. Which is to say, I have no problem with God taking me through certain paths that he takes me through just so long as I know and I see the outcome. If I, if I see the outcome, not just in terms of seeing it coming, but if I'm aware of it, if you could just spell it out to me, i 'm pretty sure that i 'm going to be on board with you that you 're not going to have too big or much of a problem with me, but I, I just I just need to see how this thing is going to pan out. We say sometimes the problem is a lot of times in our spiritual journey in our Christian life it doesn 't quite work out that way, and what we end up discovering if you 've been on this same journey with me and I trust you have and you 've grown in a bit of self awareness is a lot of the Christian life is, is really about learning how to find God, discover God, know God, grow in my relationship with God before that outcome came around that corner. It's not to say that we don't arrive at our outcomes. We do. Eventually, all of us, sooner or later, will. But it's just to say that God isn't necessarily waiting for that outcome to be as clear as I want it before I start being what he's calling me to be. And that's the Christian life. In fact, the Apostle Paul himself, in this particular point of his life and especially his ministry, is writing back to Christians. Y'all journal? Some of us journal. It's almost as if Paul, in this epistle, is journaling, and he's just putting it somewhere where he can have it. It's almost like it's therapeutic for him, and he's hoping that others will be blessed in the process. And one lesson, big lesson that he's lifting and wanting to offer to us all is, I am thankful to God that I am arriving at a place in my Christian life where I don't have to wait for outcomes any longer to begin to look to God, find God, know God, or grow in my relationship with God. That's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of Christian maturity. Maybe you know people who are unchurched or or people who are turned off by the church or or people who are in relationship with you and in your life, but for one reason or another, even though they have a, a past where they have a track record of being in the church, they're no longer to be found. And when you begin to spend time with them and do life with them and have relationship with them, you begin to learn that there are things that explain why they're no longer to be found in the church. I was just at my one of my daughter's um, friends' classmates' birthday party uh, yesterday at pool party, and I had a chance to meet a lot of people. Uh, really nice place, and I see why they got the pool party there. And and here we were, and I'm I'm having a chance to connect with people. And just, you know, just have a great time while all the kids are in the pool, barbecue, and you name it. And I had a chance to connect with people, and people had a ch- uh, were asking me, so, you know, that question always comes around, so what do you do? Right? The guys will often ask, like, so what do you do? You see, sharing the gospel is easy for me. <laughs> I just get there. <laughs> I don't even need to figure out, like, just, just get there. It's just low-hanging fruit. And so, you know, I'll, I'll tell him what I do. I, I mean, I can't lie, <laughs> right? So you asked? I wasn't going to go there. I just was going to be just some dude. I'm her dad, and that's the only hat I was going to wear, and I was fine with that, and just be friendly. But he asked, and, and what's interesting is, uh, it's kind of connected to what I was just saying earlier, it's amazing to me how much people want to talk about their journey and the things that they're wrestling with, and I happened to—I had—I had read the room, the pool area all wrong. <laughs> you know, you always try to read people, right? I read them all wrong. Like all of the guys that I had a chance—grandpas or forty-somethings, thirty-somethings, twenty-somethings—they all had some roots. They started naming. Oh yeah, I was going to Shiloh Terrace Baptist Church. Oh yeah, I was going to this church. Oh yeah, I was going to this church. And I'm like, what? So then they began to not only tell me their roots with the church, but also what it was that contributed to why they're no longer a part of the church. I'm like, man. And in every one of these cases, it goes back to what we're looking at here, outcomes. Outcomes. Paul says here in Philippians, you'll notice, where's Paul at this point? You've been with me. Come on. We've been together on this journey. Where's Paul? He's in prison, right? And he's had a chance to see God show up. And show out while in prison. And he's had a chance to talk about it, right? Yes, he's had some haters. Yes, he's had some rats. He's had some people who just wanted to make it more difficult for him. You always get them. And here he is at this point saying, you know what? I'm not going to let them take me down. And he says, I'm going to still rejoice despite these types of people. And so he says here in verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. A couple of important things right here that I believe are significant for us and for our consideration. Number one, notice what Paul says. I know through two things that I can have confidence that what I'm passing through right now can result into my deliverance. Number one, your prayers. Your prayers. And number two, the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, God. So number one, the help of your prayers. You see, Paul's pointing out a big idea, and that's this, that part of our growth in our Christian life is dependent upon our relationship and dependence upon one another. You see, you would think, I mean, if there's anybody who could exempt themselves from the help of others, right? I mean, that's pastor. He doesn't need help. That's his job is to help everybody else. That's the apostle, right? He's graduated. He doesn't need any help. He just needs to figure out what's going on in everybody else's life. And notice what Paul says. (laughs) The apostle, the man who wrote most of our New Testament, says he needs help. I know that through your prayers. Why is this important? Because I know we got a a decent size here in this chapel and every one of us represents a certain opinion or perspective on what my, not my, your, what my relationship to the church is and what sort of significant role the church is supposed to be having in my life. And my prayer as as a shepherd, as a pastor, as a fellow brother of yours is that we, if we're not already, as we're moving forward as a body, would be on one page as a church in understanding just what is the church, and what is God doing with his church, and what sort of role do I have in that whole picture and scope? You see, Paul maturity is showing up here because even though he's the apostle even though he's got years under his belt he still sees the importance and the significance of the local church in his life yes he would have loved the fact that they would all be physically present but he realizes there are conditions outside of his control but that didn't stop him he says can you pray then can you throw one up for me As you're praying about this, that, and the other, can you just make sure you get my name in there? He says, I know that my deliverance is going to come, but notice he doesn't just talk about deliverance as a thing in and of itself. He connects his deliverance with your understanding of your role in the church. You see, this request on Paul's part would only work if the people that he's writing to understand the church and their role in it. If all he got is an audience in an arena who came to hear a great band and maybe a a very popular speaker, he's not going to get anything. But if he has on the other end of that letter a people who see themselves as members one of another, a body that Jesus has purchased with his own blood, whose commitment exists not only to God, but to one another, then he knows that when he makes this request, he's making it to people who understand their place. And so if I'm going to go forward in my Christian life, if you and I are going to go forward in our Christian life, we've got to understand this. This thing cannot be some sh- show or some audience, some place where we're, we got a ticket, we're walking in, we find our seat, we take part in something, and then we go out. And my prayer is, as we're moving forward, as people begin to make pathway home, and I know that there's there's room for that. People need time to be able to understand, is this my church home? In many of our cases, that commitment has already been made. In other people's cases, it's still being made, and margin needs to be created for people, right? It's kind of weird, right? You go on the first date, and you're already talking about rings and 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 uh, centerpieces, um, and color themes, and what the bridesmaids are going to wear. It's like, uh, uh, you're creeping me out. First date, right? This is just our first date, please, right? Okay, I get it, I get it, but at some point, that dating process should result in engagement and then marriage, which means We're now a part of a church. We're now members. It makes sense. It's right for me to see you as my brother, a part of this church, and my sister, a part of this church. I can count on you, and I shouldn't see that as something unrealistic or off, right? There's got to be a sense in which you put your hand in, and you said, I'm in, right? Why? Because that's only the beginning. For all of the stuff that God wants going on in this church, he's presupposing that we're tied to one another, that we're members of one another. I don't just pray for anybody. I don't just throw up prayers just in general and generic. There are people that come to my mind. There are names. There are faces that come to my mind. Why? Because I've been in their homes. I, I know what the needs are. I've, I've, I've shared some degree of life with them to where I should know them enough to know how to be praying for them. You see, they've been able to share this with Paul. Which is why Paul has this. And for us, sometimes we read something like this and it's like, it's foreign to us. For many of us, church is just, if, if it's a key speaker, I'm there, I'll show up. If it's, if it's just a great band, I'll be there. If, if, it's, if it's something offered, then I'll show up. If, if, there's some, if there's some merch, if there's a swag bag to be able to take home for free, some good pastries and coffee, then I'll be there. And that's the extent to a lot of our Christian life and experience and even church life. And no wonder we've missed out on what God wants us to experience through his church. And I believe Paul is highlighting that for us. And so at this point, my prayer is, even if this is not you, we can pray along these lines. And just say, God, would you help me to have the kind of relationship to my church where the people... We'll expect, when's the last time somebody reached out to you, like Paul is reaching out to this church and said, will you pray for me for my deliverance? He says, well, I, don't, I don't know. Nobody asked. Well, maybe there's a certain way of impression that you've given them that made them feel uncomfortable to come to you with, this, with these kinds of needs. There's a reason why people come to certain people and not others, right? There's work that's required on both ends. I get that. But there's a reason why somebody, there are certain people here, and I know it, As I connect, I see who's, there's a reason why certain people are getting all the prayer requests and the needs and what's going on in people's lives so that they can better pray for them and others are not. It's no surprise to me why those same people are making attempts, intentional efforts to get to know someone, to make acquaintance with someone and to go out of their way outside of scheduled services to be in relationship with someone. You see, I can't manufacture that. That's a work of the Spirit. And that's a work of me following Jesus because the more I follow him, the more I become like him. Why? Because that's what he's like. If Jesus were present, that's how we would move among the people. That's why people were drawn to him because they knew if they shared it, they would share it with somebody who cared and somebody who was prepared, if it was in his power, to do something about it. And I think the same for us as a church is one of the ways in which you're going to start noticing people hit you up with a text or a call or say, hey, when's the next time we could get together? Or when's, hey, you got a minute? You think I can talk to you as soon as service closes? I got something to share. Right now is not the right time. Is when they start seeing what you would find in Jesus or what Paul found in this church, in you and in me. So what does that mean? That means this. I can't just sit beside you and see the back of your head or or the side of your shoulder. That's not enough. I mean, this is appropriate. It's necessary. But that can't be the extent to my relationship to this church. There's a place for it, like right now. But there's got to be more going on, whether that's before this or after this. And again, you see, I can't manufacture this. What I'm saying is, if we're moving forward and we're growing in our relationship with Jesus... What Paul experienced and witnessed with this church, and therefore he depended on them, is going to be something that we experience and witness from one another. And what does that mean? That means, what did Paul experience from the church? That's what people should be experiencing from me. Paul experienced a church that was intentionally interested in Paul's life and well-being. Paul witnessed a church that was about putting his interests and his needs ahead of their own. And when that kind of thing happens again and again and again, guess what? The walls come down because in the beginning, they're like, I'm not going to share with her. I ain't going to spill that. I'm not going to bring them into, I mean, they, their lives are too busy. I mean, what, would, what am I doing? Nah, that's just, but what ends up happening is, is, as we make efforts to get involved into each other's lives, We remove that doubt. We remove that hesitation. That hesitation that no doubt may have been there initially ends up being removed. Why? Because through our life and through the way we're representing ourselves, we're making every bit of an effort to make it clear to this person. This person cares. Like the message that I'm getting is this person genuinely cares. And what do we do with people who genuinely care? We invite them into our life and in our world. But until that happens, we're closed off. The reason why Paul was closed off to this church was because they did something that communicated to him that they genuinely care. They don't care how close or how far Paul was. They care. And I think that's what we need as a church, as a church. Some of us maybe got, you got burned. Some of us got burned in the church. Some of us have one kind of experience or another where I already, I tried that, pastor. Pastor. That's probably what you're saying out there. You don't understand. I've tried that before, and this happened to me. That's why I'm like the way that I am. And I understand that, and I see. And so what ends up happening is we end up shaping the rest of our relationship and our role to the church based on trauma, based on past experiences. We allow what happened to us to define our present life and our future life and relationship to the church, and we miss out big time. We miss out big time. You see, some of us in here, we're, we're me and God type folk, right? Like the second one that I'm about to mention, the spirit of Jesus Christ. I know through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul had a horizontal relationship and a vertical relationship. Paul saw a need for a horizontal dimension to his Christian life and a vertical dimension. Notice, he didn't say, I know through your prayers and help, period, period. Nor did he say, I know through the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will result in my deliverance, period. No, it was both and. It wasn't either or. You see, true maturity in the Christian life results in the both and, not the either or. There are some people who are like, no, nah, I don't trust folk. I don't trust people. You can't count on people. You can only count on God. I know, I say those things. We, send, we say things like that, but sometimes what we do is we allow Instead of allowing our pain and our hurt and our trauma to drive us into the arms of Jesus and healing and to begin to take steps wisely forward back into right relationship and community, we go in the opposite direction. There are other people who are here who, they don't even pray. You don't even depend upon God, but you depend on people. So you're prepared to spill all your beans with folk. You're prepared to air all your dirty laundry with another human being, but you've never thrown up one prayer to God. If, if, if we say where it's happening, you'll be there. You're at every social gathering and event. It could be a prayer meeting in a house. It could be a life group. It could be a church service. It could be a conference. It doesn't matter. It's spiritual. It's Christian. But it's, the common denominator is you're always around people. But the problem is All of your looking for help terminated with people. You never saw people only as a means to connecting with God. So what ends up happening is people feel burdened and drained. Why? Because all of their service, all of their ministry to you, all of their helpfulness toward you never gets anywhere because you're not even trying to get healing and transformation and growth. You just want someone around. You just want someone to be right there, and that's it. And you know what's so sneaky about it is this. Isn't that good? Yes, but not as an end in itself. Because people were never the answer in the first place. God is. And if someone is meaningfully in my life, and if someone is meaningfully serving me and pouring into me and ministering to me, what should happen? It should result in me ushering them to Jesus. Jesus. I'm just the waiter at the table looking at the glasses that are half empty, looking at the tables and the the plates that need to be picked up or the eyes that are looking my way that need an additional order, and I quickly go. I'm just a servant that points people to a table that they need to be initially sat at or serve them in some other way. I'm not the chef in the back. I'm not the person who people are really there for. (laughs) Imagine, no kitchen, no chef, but we're at a restaurant. And you got servants. It's like, this is weird. I didn't come to just to drink a bunch of water, okay? Where's the main meal? Where's the very thing that this thing is all named about? Where's Jesus? Where's the fatted calf? Where's Christ? You see, we're just servants who stand by the side, who are out of the way. You don't see them all in a bit. You only see them when, it's, when it makes sense to see them. There's a purpose behind it, but then they're quickly out of the way. They're quickly out of the way. But sometimes what we do is we bring people in. They're like, where are you going? Just stay right here. We, we, we got a seat. No, 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 no. My job is done. I filled it. I brought the hot dish. I'm out of the way. If there's anything else you need, you see, I'm in and out. But a lot of times when people only get one side of these two principles to deliverance, you're always in their life. You got to pick up the phone at 1 a.m. You got to be there Saturday. You got to be there Sunday. You got to lead the Bible study. You got to pray for the person. You got to be on your knees for the person. You got to fast for the person. You, I mean, it's just it's just an it's a toxic dependence, and I see pastors burning out left and right over it. I see ministry leaders on a lay level burning out because of it. Where do I want to see us as a church? I want to see this both and component, where we not only see a place for ourselves in each other's lives. Don't knock that. We also want to make sure that that doesn't discount and take away from the fact that you need to be having your own walk with the Lord. I need to be having my own. If I'm going to have any part to play in your life, I hope after a bit of time, I don't know, six months, I don't know, one year, that you're going to be more and more learning how to be dependent. If I'm still feeding my kids... At 10 and 11 and 13 and 15, I understand why I had to do it at six months and at one year. But if we're still at this five years down the road, then my parenting is all off. You, you with me? And I think, I think there's an importance there is we need to see both ourselves in each other's life and we need to see the importance of God in our life if we're going to experience deliverance in any real sense. Maybe this is it. You've been asking questions. God, how come I'm still not delivered? How come I still haven't seen breakthrough? How come I still haven't seen you show up in ways that I thought by now? Could it be? I don't know. Could it be that you've fallen on one of any one of these two ends? Maybe you're someone who's like, I only got God. I got God, 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 God. There's a lot of God talk. Me and God. God. And that's your way of just stiff-arming people like the football player down the sideline. People trying to get in your life. They're trying to love on you. They're trying to serve you. And the way in which you keep people away from knowing what's truly going on in your life because you're afraid of disclosing that is God, God, God. I got God. But But at the same time, the very thing you need you're keeping at a distance which explains why you're not getting as far as you can in your Christian life but then there are others whereas people 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 and everybody if you're at a certain kind of church that's willing to allow it is allowing you in their circle and allowing you in your in their life but it, but in all of that socialness it hasn't gotten you anywhere it hasn't gotten you anywhere And so my prayer is, that as we're coming to a close here, is that what Paul witnessed, we witness. What Paul experienced, not only in himself, but with his relationship with the church, we experience with our relationship with the church. Let's be both and. Let's be that kind of church that says, in no way do I want to discount how God himself, Paul says, I know the spirit of Jesus himself can deliver me. I know through the spirit of Jesus himself. So we never, I know God, some, some situations, God himself will just bring deliverance like that. And he'll come through like nobody's business. And you got him to praise and give all the glory for. And you got a testimony in the church. In other cases, guess what? It's God. But it's who he brings across your path. It's who he uses in your life as a way. But notice, you never use people as an end. You see God using people in your life as a means to an end. And that end is always Jesus. That's a healthy church. That's a healthy church member who benefits from the church. And you got these two in the church. You got these two. So where are we at? Ask God. He'll show you. Ask God. Am I a person? Am I this kind of a person who, who tends to go and gravitate toward people? Even though if somebody were to really ask me the hard question, oh, no, I don't intend on changing. I don't intend on growing. I just love being around people. It just soothes me. It's therapeutic to just be around people. It's like the lame man by the well, right? The beggar. He's, he's been there how many years? 38 years. And Jesus says, do you want to be? Right? He just loves to be around other people who are also hurt and broken and in pain. To where he's so owned and identified with his brokenness that he treated his brokenness as an end in itself. I'm all for authenticity. I know we millennials are for authenticity and and vulnerability and and transparency and, and telling it like it is and sharing some of our baggage, right? Because previous pastors gave the impression that they've got it all together. I get that. I get that. But sometimes I fear, as I look at a lot of our millennial generation, When I see speakers speak and when I just see people in the church, sometimes I'm afraid that we've made it as an end in and of itself. Brokenness is an end in itself. And I don't think that's what God has in mind. I think God has more. Maybe that's where we need to start, but I don't think that's where we need to end. We need to end with the spirit of Jesus, as Paul put it here. The spirit of Jesus Christ himself is what turns our situation out for our deliverance. You want deliverance today? You want to see a breakthrough today? You want to see healing in some shape or fashion in your life today? It's not going to be either or. It's going to be both and. That's what's brought it about for Paul. That's what's going to bring it about for you and me. Let's stand together if we can. I want to pray together with you, and I also also want to pray for you. If you you happen to be someone who's here today and you're looking, you, you would not mind for someone to pray with you. You want to begin? He says, there's no point in waiting next week or Monday to live out this verse. How about now? Why not? That's what I would say. Why not begin to use God's people, God's means, as a way to bring about that deliverance You've been looking for. And the way that we could do that is we'd love to pray for you. There's going to be opportunities for you either up front here or seated at the front here to to meet with someone like myself or any brother that you trust or any sister, if you're a sister you trust, to be able to just be with you. I just want you to know that this place and this time of ours is, is more than just a service to attend. It's a place where I want to hope and I want to pray. You'll be confident that there are going to be people that you can find that you can confide in and journey together with, that you can share your burdens with, not as an end in and of itself, but as something that God's prepared to use for your deliverance, for your deliverance. Not either or, both end. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time of ours. We celebrate your grace in our lives as a church. We're thankful and delighted in your mercies. And we are so excited about what you're doing in our lives. God, I know we may not be where we ought to be or who we ought to be, but hallelujah, thanks be to God, we're not who we once were. And that's what makes all the difference in the world. And my prayer is that we would be a church and a people, especially, who are not about one or the other, but love. We have no problem looking to others if that's what you care to use in our lives. But at the same time, we in no way... that have been raised keeping your people from seeing you for who you are would be taken down in Jesus' name. Lord God, that hearts and minds would be guarded all over earth; That the peace that men and women have been looking for would finally be found. That Jesus would be seen for the treasure they soul not be heard other voices seem to dominate. God, I pray right now, today, that after today, all of that will change in Jesus' name. You're the giant slayer. Fear can no longer have a place. Anxiety can no longer